Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Let's start the week off right on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Michael Tulip's going to join me, Jeremy Warner, Illini Enquirer publisher, to break down a big win for Illinois basketball over the weekend at Michigan State. We break down what he saw from the Illini, a lot of resolve, I thought, in that win. We'll talk about some big performances from Kofi Coburn, Jacob Grandison, and Trent Frazier. And we will discuss Kofi Coburn's case for Player of the Year in what is a very tight race going into the final two weeks. And we'll also talk a little bit about how Underwood is using his rotation. He did stick with the starters. And we'll look ahead to the Ohio State matchup as well. And I will get Mike's big reaction to the big to-do over the weekend in Big Ten basketball. And that's where I wanted to start today in the open is it was an embarrassing moment for the Big Ten and for Michigan basketball on Sunday as Juwan Howard takes a swing at Joe Krabinoff, former Wisconsin basketball player, but now assistant coach under Greg Gard. And it was just an embarrassing situation in the handshake line. And... I feel like there's a lot of people either rushing to defense or thinking too much or or trying to think too hard about what happened. Like, they're putting blame at Greg Gard. Did Greg Gard escalate things a little bit? Should he let Jawan Howard just, you know, sulk off, right? Yeah, maybe. Now as you look back on it. But I don't think Greg Gard thought he was starting a fight. Greg Gard wanted to explain himself. And both of those guys need to chill. Jawan Howard for pressing in a 15-point game. Greg Gard for calling a timeout and not wanting his walk-ons to have a turnover. That's just men being men, um, which sometimes is ridiculous, which is just too prideful at the end, taking offense to these little things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Kind of this, um, I guess this old-school kind of way of these unwritten rules about the end-of-game situations and all of that. I just I, making too much of it, but Greg Gard was trying to talk to Juwan Howard, and he stopped him. He was, you know, stopped him using a little bit of force. But come on, and then Juwan puts a finger in his face, escalates from there, and Joe Krabinoff comes in and says something. I'm interested to know what he said because what he said got the attention of a couple Michigan players around him, and it certainly set off Juwan Howard. But let's not do any false equivalency like Greg Gard, Joe Krabinoff, or any of the players who got in the mix after this deserve as much blame as Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard is the head coach of Michigan basketball, and he took a swing at a, an opposing coach. Think about that. That, if you are, if you're a coach that's struggling, listen, should Juwan Howard be fired? Eh, I don't know. You could justify it, for sure, if you're Michigan. But they don't want to fire him, right? He's a Michigan man, known as a good dude to most people. One of the most renowned alumni in Michigan basketball history. Plus, he won a Big Ten title last year. And he gets recruits. Really good recruits. If this were Fred Hoiberg or Scott Frost, he'd probably be fired. It's grounds to be fired if you're not winning or not well-liked. But Juwan Howard, that was an embarrassment. 
I know we can kind of roll our eyes at the leader of men, but we saw it in that moment. Juwan Howard takes a swing at Krabinoff, and that escalated something that was kind of this little, like, you know, prideful guys acting like idiots to all of a sudden you got into a dangerous situation where Wisconsin people pushing Michigan people, there's cops in the middle of this trying to settle everything down. There's a lot of assistants and players trying to settle things down too. But then there's just like this little pushing back and forth. And then Terrence Williams, who feels threatened, starts to take a swing. Musa Diabate sees Terrence Williams getting pushed. I think it was Jacoby Neath was pushing, maybe threw a punch as well. Don't know if I can qualify as a punch. There's some things couldn't see all that well. But Williams certainly took a swing. And Neath was pushing and you know making contact with somebody else. And then Musa Diabate comes to the defense of his teammate and starts swinging haymakers. They did what their coach did. And most coaches ask you to like back your guy up. Back your guy up. Be a good teammate and all those things. And as guys were taught, hey, if a friend gets into a fight, you got to help him. Right? So that's what happened. But it all escalated because Juwan Howard, the leader of Michigan basketball, the reigning Big Ten coach of the year, took a swing at another assistant coach because he was upset that Greg Gard got in his face after he had told Greg Gard that he's going to remember that. And the problem for Juwan Howard is he's got a history of this. This is the second offense he's done this. Went after Mark Turgeon last year. And from the report said, I'm going to bleeping kill you to Mark Turgeon. And he got kicked out of the game. Got kicked out of a Big Ten tournament game on national television. And I don't Juwan Howard as a player. Tough dude. Really good player. Really respected assistant coach in the NBA for a lot of years. And again, you talk to a lot of people in the industry, they really like Juwan Howard. But this is a second offense for him. If I'm Michigan, I think the right thing to do here, because that's an embarrassment for you, the head of your program to do that, to put your players in danger. And now Diabate and Williams need to be suspended for their role in this, potentially had the potential to really hurt somebody with the, the punches they were swinging. I'm very fortunate for all involved that those punches were not really landed. Uh, I know some people got bloody. I saw one uh, Wisconsin staffer say, thanks for coming by with a bloody mouth. And not to not to absolve everybody in Wisconsin, I bet Krabenhoff gets a suspension. I'm sure the Big Ten is looking into what he said, everything that happened. But let's not... Let's not make any equivalencies of what anybody at Wisconsin did compared to what Juwan Howard did. Juwan Howard needs to be punished harshly. And as of 1 o'clock, as I'm recording this, the Big Ten has not announced that yet. Now, did it need to be swift? No, the most important thing is that it's a big punishment. Now, I've seen some people speculate in, in some of the rules, how long can they suspend him? This needs to be Michigan in, in the Big Ten sending a big statement. That... Anytime someone even thinks a coach player of throwing a punch at somebody that, oh, I could miss the rest of the season. I think that needs to be the punishment. I think Juwan Howard needs to be suspended the rest of the season in Big Ten games. So that includes the rest of the regular season, which is what, four games, five games for Michigan, plus the Big Ten tournament. I bet... Diabate, Terrence Williams gets suspended a couple games. I bet Krabenhoff and Neath get suspended a couple games. I, I don't think guard will, but maybe he gets a game for, for just kind of being a part of this. 
But Juwan Howard needs to face a harsh punishment. And if I'm Michigan, I doubt they fire him. But I'm telling him, three strikes and you're out. One more incident like this, and we just can't have you represent our program. It's an embarrassment. It's a big embarrassment. And it's one thing that can't happen. You can't have people fighting each other on the court. Now, I've also seen people say, we need to ban the handshake line. Really? Really? That's that's the big takeaway from all of this? Is that we need to ban the handshake line? Are our expectations for men so low that we can't expect them to shake hands after a game? Right? We can't expect... Like We're going to set our expectations so low for our young men and our coaches who are grown men that we can't expect them to have a handshake? Now, is that handshake fake? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But maybe I'm a little old school. I think you should be able to go up to somebody and say, hey, good game, even if they beat your butt. Right? It's competition, but especially in the college, high school atmosphere. Like if Isaiah Thomas doesn't want to shake Michael Jordan's hand, whatever. I think they should, but hey, whatever. It's supposed to be a friendly competition. But like, why why is that the take? Like your expectation is so low that we can't expect... We expect our men to be barbarians. Like, this goes off without a hitch 99.99% of the time. Like, cool it off. Expect our, expect our men to be able to handle themselves. And yeah, you might be angry after a game, especially a heated one. You didn't like what they did. Cool off. Deal with it. In the real world, you got to deal with disappointment. You got to be able to deal with competitors who might beat you on a certain day and you got to bounce back yeah look him in the eye say hey, hey decent job you beat me I'm going to get you next time right I think we can do that I think there's also a lot of cool moments that we get in the handshake line Tom Izzo and Trent Frazier the other day a ton of respect for each other I'm sure Trent Frazier will remember that conversation for the rest of his life Brad Underwood with Luca Garza in the last game they played at the Big Ten tournament Brad Underwood stopped him for about 20 seconds just told Luca Garza how much he respects him. I think that's great. And we get more of those moments than the stupid moments we got yesterday. And the fact that people are talking about that is more reason why I want Juwan Howard to face a severe suspension. We'll talk about this and more coming up next with Michael Tulip, our Illini Inquirer basketball analyst. But before we get to that, I hope you guys saw it. Homefield Apparel, if you checked them out on Twitter, they released their collection of Illini gear. And if you haven't seen it, go check it out at homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel is known as the best premium collegiate apparel. They're out of Indianapolis. They got incredibly comfortable. I have a couple shirts, guys. I gave some to Piper and Wagner. Just incredibly soft t-shirts you can wear around the house, wear out to the Illini games. And they're officially licensed apparel with great vintage custom designs. They went through the Illini history, picked out the best logos, flying Illini. The 2005 Illinois basketball team, they got one with that logo uh, on it as well. The, The Rose Bowl from 1983 some of the best logos and some of the best moments in Illinois history they have captured in these t-shirts because they dug through the history they know good design so check them out at homefieldapparel.com and get the best newest Illini gear they just launched it this past Saturday and you as Illini Inquirer podcast listeners can get a great new deal new customers get 15% off their first purchase with Homefield with code Illini Inquirer at checkout so when you go check out go insert promo code Illini Inquirer 
inquire at checkout at homefieldapparel.com and you'll get 15 percent off they got t-shirts hoodies crewnecks all vintage stuff there so go check it out at homefieldapparel.com all right michael tulip on alana basketball coming up next okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's catch up with Michael Tsuop, Illini Enquirer basketball analyst. And, Mike, I got so much to talk to you about with Illinois basketball. Huge win at Michigan State. I want to talk about Kofi's case for Big Ten Player of the Year because it's a really tight race uh, heading into the final two weeks. And, of course, a huge game coming up against Ohio State. But as a former player, I can't not ask you about what just happened uh, with the Michigan-Wisconsin game. With Juwan Howard taking a swipe at Joe Krabinoff, who I know you know uh, decently well, and then just everything that happened after that, players swinging at each other. So as you're watching, I was watching it live. I don't know if you were watching it live, but as you're seeing that, what's going through your head? Well, there's a lot, obviously. And I think even in the moments after, there's a lot to unpack and the different camera angles and then you get the raw video that has audio. And um, I mean, I'll kick this off by really stressing just how avoidable uh, this whole interaction was. I was listening to Jay Billis and Seth Greenberg and first take this morning. And uh, everybody wants to, to focus on the meat here, which rightfully so, and, and they should in some respect. But Jay Billis, I think in particular said, forget about the timeout, forget about the press. Well, hold on a second. Uh, I, we, we can't skip to exactly what happened without talking about what led to it. Because I think it's a learning moment for a lot of people, maybe a lot of coaches. Uh, if you don't know the 10 second rule in the backcourt, uh, if you don't know the timeout resets it, if you are gonna keep pressing, here's the thing. If you're Juwan Howard and you decide to continue to coach and continue to press against the end of Wisconsin's bench with two starters still in the game, Caleb Houston and Devontae Jones were still in the game, then don't be surprised when Greg Gard continues to coach. And that's that's kind of the best way I can put it. If you drop back into a 2-3 zone, if you drop back into a soft man-to-man, 22 seconds on the clock, 100% of the time, Wisconsin is coming down, dribbling the clock out, you're heading onto the plane and focusing on winning your next game to get you off the bubble. That should be the focus. Okay. And, and then let's skip to the handshake line. The raw video is important. here. And, and when I say that, if you watch the 36 second one that Jeff Goodman tweeted from the broadcast, it cuts in and guard is holding up Howard and it looks like Howard wants to blow by and guard. If you look at it from that perspective could potentially look like he's, instigating it or or igniting it in a way if you watch the raw video and, and this is not assumption this is not making stuff up there's audio okay and, and which is important here because you can try to decipher what did he say how could... as howard is approaching greg guard he says i'll remember that blank okay and that prompts greg guard to stop him and clarify hey and you can hear greg guard whoa 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 you were pressing. And at this point, 
Howard, Howard has a fistful of guards pullover and then starts getting into, you know, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. And I think you and I talked about this earlier today. Intent's important here, it, it, especially when you want to just address Greg Gard specifically. Did Greg Gard stop Juwan Howard with the intent of getting violent? Greg Gard. <laughs> no. I think you can almost say that that would just be a bad business decision yes. uh, by Greg Gard. Now, if you want to go say, did Joe Krabenhoff insert himself in the middle of that and escalate things? Yes. You can say that all of those things can be true. But the fact of the matter is, if you are a leader of men, if you are a leader of one of the more prominent programs in college basketball, and he should, you know, obviously you're an alumni. There's a lot invested in him at that university. You can't swing. I'm sorry. You cannot swing. And I think not only because it's just kind of baseline human stuff, uh, it, because you have guys on your team that follow you and you are the leader. And, and by doing that, you are giving them permission to follow suit. And that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly why there's going to be a pretty stiff punishment for this. And there should, because if you're the Big Ten, you can't stand for this. And I'll, I'll put a bow on this by saying decisions, right? Decisions that you make, it's not all about the swing, okay? It's, if you look at the decisions that were made, Juwan Howard, you decided to press, okay? You decided to keep your two starters in and press and not concede and credit you for doing that, but you cannot expect Greg Gard to not continue to coach. That's the first one. Second one, if you wanted to walk by and say nothing to Greg Gard, I can almost assure you that he would have shook, shook your hand, been like, whoa, that was weird, and you guys would have gone about your way. You decided to say, I'll remember that blank, which prompted him to clarify. And then you decided, regardless of what Krabenhoff said or who was, who was getting aggressive, you decided to reach over the top and swing. Yeah. Those are all decisions that were made, and they were all decisions that could have been avoidable. So that's, that's where I stand on it. I, I don't think Juwan Howard is solely to blame here, but he's, he plays a massive role in this. Yeah, and you said it, Mike, and I said this earlier in the podcast, like the fact that he went and swung at somebody, then you saw his players do it. And, and that's, that, that could have been a really dangerous situation. Like if those guys connected with somebody, like all of a sudden, like, I don't know how much sympathy I'm supposed to have for Musa Diabate, but I don't know if his teammates are upset with him today, but – he might have hurt himself. I mean, this is, a, this is an NBA draft prospect who just took swings at, at Wisconsin guys. Like, I, I feel bad there because he's just doing kind of what his coach was doing at the time. So I think it's a terrible look for Michigan. It's a terrible look for the Big Ten. And that's why the Big Ten has to to come down hard. Um, I'll ask you, Mike, before I give my opinion, what, what do you think? Uh, the Big Ten – I think Michigan's got to play a role here too, right? Like, they should probably be coming down with this suspension here. I think Howard's got to be done for the season. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because I just don't think if you say, hey, three, four game suspension, you cannot run the risk of these two teams meeting in the Big Ten tournament with him coaching and with Diabate playing and Williams playing. And that may still happen if Diabate and Williams get a couple games. Sure. But with Howard being the one that ignited this with by swinging at Krabenhoff, I, I think you give it an offseason – Okay, maybe you bring them back to the NCAA tournament if they do make it, but given an offseason to just kind of let it marinate a little bit, 
uh, and then you come back. I, I, I just don't think it's, it, it's a good look for anyone to have him back on the sideline with a potential matchup between the two because the whole reason Greg Gard stopped him is because I'll remember that blank is code for when we play you next, we're putting someone on their ass. Yeah. And I think Greg Gard is a coach. Your natural tendency is I, I want to protect my guys. Let me clarify why I was doing it. So you don't think this is just from a place of malice. And I think that's, that's part of it. I think Kravenhoff's going to get a couple games. And shoot, this rolling could come while we're sitting here doing the podcast. Right. Kravenhoff's going to get a couple games just being in, you know, kind of looking like an escalator in that for sure. Um, uh, Diabate's going to get a couple games. Uh, Neath's going to get a couple games from Wisconsin. He threw a punch. Terrence Williams retaliated and threw a punch. And I think Diabate threw one at Neath. So the, there's going to be players that, that get suspended here for sure. Uh, it, it's unfortunate. It, it really is. I, I've been a, a part of a lot of handshake lines, and some things are said sometimes, but yeah. I think the one rule that everybody knows is you can't swing. You can't swing because then all bets are off. And, you, and once it start, once once it starts gravitating towards the like the Wisconsin crowd, who knows, man? We've seen things get crazy, and in the heat of the moment, you don't know if someone's coming to. I guess get you off of someone or if they're coming to throw a punch. So that's what it looked like with Dia. Dia to start swinging. Yeah. So I, I think Howard's got to be done for the season. Uh, and, and the main thing is just, I, I don't think you can run the risk of everyone being active for a potential rematch. I, I made next year's next year and things happen. But I think the last thing I'll say too is Wisconsin, Michigan, welcome to your, to your rivalry. Because yeah. this is this is going to be one that that's going to go on for the next few years. Yeah, Mike, and I'm just I I hear these like abolish the handshake line, and and I I said before like I've seen so many good moments in, in those handshake lines. Now I saw Illinois and Iowa get after it a little, you know, Chin Coleman uh, getting after it a little bit, Demonte and and Connor McCaffrey saying words, but so that happens, I understand it, but let's not set the expectation so low for our gender that we can't go through a handshake line and not come to fisticuffs, right? Like, um, I think you said it like. Let's have some bigger expectations of ourselves, or if we can't do that, we have bigger problems, right? We have bigger issues. And these are two teams, like like we talked about before we recorded, a lot at stake here for both. Uh, you know, you're talking about a Big Ten title race for Wisconsin, where who knows? Heat of the moment, Johnny Davis gets in there and throws a punch. You're talking about Big Ten Player of the Year candidacy. You're talking about them not winning outright or a share of this of this title. I mean, there's a lot there, and and Michigan in particular. I mean. They, you're on the bubble right now. And I, I get it. It's been a, a frustrating season, expectations. And, uh, and I think what people don't understand is for all these coaches, you live that and that's, it consumes you. And, and that's what you think about constantly. And you come off a really good year last year, expectations are sky high and you don't, you don't meet them. That's frustrating. And a chance to get a big win against Wisconsin. It doesn't happen. You 39, 38, you're winning. It gets out of hand. I, I, I mean, I understand that there's frustrations, but shoot that happens to almost every coach every game so it, you know you can't be any different and there's no exception where you know to me with Howard it just it looked a little bit like whoa wait you can also react to things and you can also make decisions it's just you, you it can't be one-sided yeah. is what I'm saying and and these te- both these teams have a lot to play for um and that's why if you were Wisconsin you got to get in there and pull guys out Michigan same thing because this is the home stretch. I mean, Diab- Diabate being out, 
could be the difference of them making the tournament or not, right? Like, I mean, Hunter Dickinson's been phenomenal, but he's had to carry them. And Diabate just had a 28-point game, game the other day uh, to help them beat Iowa. So, like, and that's a huge win for, for them. So, if, if they don't have Diabate the rest of the regular season in, in the Big Ten tournament, all of a sudden, I mean, that could be the difference. And that, and that started with Juwan really swinging. And it's a spot, Diabate in particular, that four spot for Michigan has been the one that has probably been the most inconsistent the whole entire year you could argue i know the guards haven't been great at times but Devonte jones starting to figure it out brooks starting to figure it out a little bit houston's even starting to figure it out a little bit that four spot i know diabate kind of went nuclear against iowa but man they need you and you're starting you know you're starting to come into your own a little bit and potential first round pick he's got all the measurables and you don't want to put yourself in a situation like that or hurt your draft stock not saying hey it's about your draft stock but man there's millions of dollars on the line life-changing money for for some of these guys uh so to do that in that moment yeah it's tough and it's an 18 19 year old and and i'll keep going back you follow suit with the coach and and if howard doesn't swing i think everybody gets out of there and it's just a little dust up and you're moving on so unfortunate all around this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Mike, let's talk about Illinois basketball going into East Lansing, getting a, a win for the first time since Michael Tulip was on the team, right? <laughs> it's been a while. 2015 was the last time. And I just thought they showed a lot of resolve in that win, Mike. Um, first to come back after your coach challenged you after that Rutgers performance and to have that kind of first half. And then, I mean, Tyson Walker went on an all-time heater uh, against Illinois late in that game, and Illinois was able to kind of go blow for blow with him and and find a way to win. Of course, with, with Trent's late fury, Kofi came in the clutch as well. Um, so what was your what was your big thoughts on that? Culture win, uh, and really the type of performance that, that wins you a, a Big Ten title. And and I say that it's how they won. Um, if they went in there and won by 25, then yeah, it'd be easy for me to sit here and say, that's a performance that wins you Big Ten titles because they won by 25 in East Lansing. It's the resolve, like you talked about. They shave it down to eight, you get a good possession, you execute. They shave it down to seven, you get a good possession, you execute. And, and I think there was an, between the 11-minute mark and the eight-minute mark of the second half, there was a chance. There was a window for Michigan State to shave that thing down. And then once they're once it's a two-point game with eight minutes left, three-point game with eight minutes, then all bets are off. I just think Michigan State kind of ran out of time. Uh, and Illinois was just they – were, they were in such a good rhythm. They were executing. They were assignment sound. Um, and, look, I understand Tyson Walker went on his heater. Um, that happens. 
pressure's off a little bit. You're down 16, shots start falling. These are tough shots. And we'll, we'll show a little bit in the film breakdown. 17, 18 footers, a guy that's shooting 54% from three, but 36% from two. I'm sure that went up after last game. Uh, but he hasn't been great inside the arc. Uh, but water found its level. And, and I think the performance they had against Rutgers, you know, the Pizza Hut talk, the, the toughness being questioned, all of it. I, I think to come out of that and do what you did in East Lansing, right? You follow up a Rutgers performance, not like, all right, now we got Penn State at home, you know, get back on track. You go into East Lansing, a place that those guys haven't won. They haven't won there. And to do it in the way that they did it, um, you know, I, I think defensively in that first half, elite, man, elite level stuff, really, really high level stuff that, that quite frankly wins you championships. I mean, they, they had eight points with seven and a half minutes left in the first half. And it wasn't because they were just missing shots. Every single guy on the floor had something to do with that. And they collectively rebounded. They collectively stuck to their assignments. And shoot, if they can do that and they can sustain that like we've seen them do, I, there's not a team in this country that they can't beat. I, I firmly believe in that. A lot of tough twos, Mike. Like just a, a lot of tough twos uh, that they're able to force. Uh, obviously, it didn't go that way in the second half, but uh, also getting a huge boost from Jacob Grandison uh, to kind of break out of that slump. Now, maybe he goes back and he shoots two for eight next game from three, but uh, I, I thought that was a toughness kind of thing from Jake to to make those shots, but also Trent Frazier to get him open, to make some of those passes. So uh, to get him going early on along with Kofi, give Kofi a little bit of help from the outside was just a huge relief for them. Yeah, we've seen those two things play off each other. Kofi getting going opens up the perimeter. Perimeter getting going opens up Kofi. And, and the first attempt, I think it, what gets lost in all this, shooting slump for Jacob Grandison, I understand he went 6 for 10 in the game. He missed his first one. He missed his first one. So you could immediately sink into – Oh man, here's another game. Am I gonna miss again? And especially because he went in and out. It was yeah, like the way down. he took his first. Yeah, the way he took his first one was the most telling thing. When when I saw him step into that confidently, no hesitation, I'm like, this is Jake. He's back. And two possessions later, throws it into Kofi. Kofi, Kofi throws it right back out. And I've talked about it. There's been an avenue for that where Kofi can just kind of play hot potato a little bit because they're they're you know they're really really swarming him. And Jake sticks, steps in and knocks it down. That, that was probably one of my, you know, 20 years from now, you'll look back and no one's going to be like the Jacob Grandison performance in Michigan State. But that was one of my favorite Illini performances over the last couple of years. And all the questions, the shooting, the lineup change, what's going to happen? And for him to turn in a performance like that as emphatically as it was, it, it says a lot about him as a player. And it, and it sure says a lot about him as a person because that's not easy to be in that situation as much as you want to you know I guess ice out all the talk you hear it you know you hear it in some regards so you know I, I was really proud just to see him do that and and I thought he gave a big lift defensively and we talked about being assignment sound uh you know not letting your guy get loose and, and following the scouting report he did that as well he slid in took an amazing charge in the second half like he made a ton of plays that went outside of the 24 points because he's one of their best passers. He probably is their best post-entry passer. He had five assists, one turnover. Uh, you, can't, you can't say enough about the kid and, and the way that he turned in that performance. It's just, man, it'll go down as, as one of my favorite ones over the last few years for sure. All five assists to Kofi. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and five boards, too. We've talked about rebounding. Like, he needs to be around that that five number, in my opinion. So, to get that, and, and you mentioned the charge. It was just absolutely huge uh, turning point for that game. Uh, Trent Frazier, talk about resolve, Mike. You miss your first six shots. You make your last three, including a broken play, to hit that one. Uh, to see his confidence... Like I, I don't mind Trent shooting when he's 0 for 6. Like I think he's got enough of a resume to to trust him to to take those shots. But you know, Coleman got that great pass, one-handed pass to to get Trent his first three. And I think that might have given him some confidence late in there. But a confident Trent is, is dangerous for Illinois if if he can continue that. But man, those just ice in his veins, man. You got a guy that can make shots like that. I don't know if it was J.R. Smith. Somebody made the comment that I'd rather go 0 for 14 than 0 for 3 because that means I stopped shooting. And I think that's perfect for a guy like Trent Frazier. And what more can you say? Uh, You know, you hear the praise from Izzo, and it's all absolutely warranted. Uh, I made the comment a couple weeks ago. There are a lot of coaches in America that would kill to have that guy on his team, on their team. And, And Trent shows night in and night out. Why? And he took over. He took over. And... Point blank, there's there's no one better that I've seen this year in college basketball. And maybe I'm biased. I, I watch a lot of Illinois basketball. I watch a lot of college basketball. And there's no one better at staying in the moment and getting lost in the game. Really, I, I think he sees – like if you're able to get lost in the game and stay in the moment, you see things a little bit clearer. You know, you allow yourself, like I said, to get lost in the game. Uh, and it allows you to make sound decisions – in the present because you're not dwelling on what happened on the previous possession and you're not dwelling on what this 0 for 6 start could mean for the next few games and am I in a shooting slump? He has his way of just snapping out of, you know, he had a play in the second half, first half actually, um, gets in the gap and has a deflection that goes off of Hoggard. He deflects it off of Hoggard into the backcourt. Should have been an over and back on Michigan State because Hoggard was the last one that touched it. He turns to the ref, puts his hands up, and was basically like, how did you not see that? And then you just see, like, boom. He does that, and then he just crouches down into a stance and is like, see ball, see man on the weak side. It's incredible the way he's able to compartmentalize because some guys can't do it, and we've seen it. You know, you let it consume you, and he's able to, you know, air out his grievances with the refs and then just immediately get back into that zone that he gets into and it's, just, it's something that is so invaluable because uh, not a lot of guys possess that. Um, and they can say they do, but they're thinking about it. He shows that, you know, when, when the going gets tough, he's able to just take the moment for what it is. And that's exactly what he did. We talk about the three at the end, sure. But the finish, right? The finish to put them up five, uh, to put them up 76-71. And the finish that was very similar to the one that Tyson Walker blocked earlier in the game you go up over the top and you rise even higher and you finish even stronger. That's Trent Frazier. And there's, there were questions about a closer coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Go back and we'll show in, in the film or go back and watch the, the last possession there. Brad Underwood points at Trent Frazier and says, go get the ball. Go get the ball. Take us home. And that's what he did. And you, you can't say enough about the kid. He's <laughs> Trent Frazier, man. I, you know, all the Raptors talk, all it's just, He's he's developed into into one of my my favorite guys to watch just because all he does. Yeah, I think this season for him and legacy is is great for him. I, I think it just gave you a lot of gave everybody 
uh, just another year to really fully appreciate what he's meant to the program and to leave his marks even more uh, on the program. Uh, speaking of that, Kofi Coburn, we don't talk about big guys being clutch that often. How clutch was this guy, Mike? Those those two possessions where uh, one was a lefty hook, right? I forgot what the other one was. But then to hit two free throws like that late in the game, uh, that was clutch. Uh, we talk about. I was waiting for him to do the IO, <laughs> the vein tap, like because that was that was awesome to Kofi. You wanted to see that in those moments. Brad Underwood said we need more from Kofi Coburn, one of the best players in the country. Um, we'll talk about his his case for Big Ten Player of the Year, but. Huge performance, 27 points, nine rebounds. Uh, for me, I thought it was maybe one of the second best. It was the second best performance of the year outside of the 37 and 12 against Wisconsin. I hope we haven't become numb to all this. <laughs> right. I, really, like, and, and, and at times as humans, we can overlook consistency or kind of get bored with consistency because it's just, you know, it's night in and night out. And I, I think we, we search for other things to kind of grasp and – Man, consistency is one of the hardest things, sports or not, life. Consistency is one of the hardest things to achieve. And it takes a certain mindset, right? Like it takes a certain resolve when you're getting beaten down every single night and you probably get fouled more than any player in the country. I think fouls drawn for 40 minutes, he's actually fourth. Um, But he's up there. And when you watch that game and when he gets fouled more than anyone, it is – you know, his ability to, to not let it impact his game. And, and he gets upset, and rightfully so. But just like Trent, he's able to kind of compartmentalize it and not let it completely rattle him. And I think Kofi's at his best when he's mixing patience, you know, with decisiveness. And he, he did that uh, against Michigan State. Uh, you know, he was both of those things on Saturday in, in East Lansing. And and his teammates do a really good job of, of putting him in a position to be successful. They're aware of it. I've talked about it before. That's really important to not have guys saying, and forget this guy. We throw it into him every time. It's my turn. Um, that's important. They recognize it. And I think that says a lot about Kofi. Because uh, if Kofi was part of my, if Kofi was an asshole, <laughs> I, human nature, you're like, oh, I don't want to throw it into this guy. He's just doesn't appreciate us, doesn't doesn't understand what we do for him, but he does a lot for them. And that's the cool symbiotic part of this team that's that's really neat to watch. So we'll get into the Big Ten, the Big Ten player of the year race stuff, but like I said, I really, really hope that as as a collective, we haven't become numb to what this guy's been doing night in, night out. Yeah, I hope people still appreciate it every night because once it's gone, you're you're gonna you're gonna know it's gone because it's ridiculous what he's doing. All right, Mike, I do want to talk about it. the Big Ten Player of the Year race is really tough. Like I vote for it, a lot of media vote for it. You know, Johnny Davis is is putting himself right back into the mix given the way he's playing. Keegan Murray's putting up ridiculous numbers, and Iowa's starting to come on here a little bit. EJ Liddell, uh, I, I just adore as a player. I love watching him, and Jaden Ivey is the most talented and the best player on the best team in the Big Ten. His numbers aren't as great. They don't need to be as great. But I feel like he's had huge moments, right? I feel like of all the guys in the Big Ten, him and Johnny Davis might have the best moments in the Big Ten so far this year. But let's talk about Kofi's case. I want to break down just some of the numbers. He's averaging 21 in 21 points, uh, 21.7 points per game, 11.2 rebounds. That's number seven nationally in scoring, number seven nationally in rebounds. It's ridiculous. He's number two in Big Ten in scoring, number one in rebounds. Uh, he has 14 doubles in 20 or 14 double doubles in 21 games. 
Um, and here's here's some numbers for you, Mike. During the last 30 years, Kofi's one of two Big Ten players to average 20 points and 11 rebounds during conference play. Do you know who the other one is? 20 points and 11 rebounds? You said the last 30 years. Last 30 years. Only one other player during conference play. 20 points, 11 rebounds during conference play. He wasn't on a very good team, and it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago, and he wasn't on a very good team. 20 and 11. Um, I mean, it rules out any of the Wisconsin guys because they've been good. Go farther north. Farther north. Than Wisconsin, yeah. Is it is it um, Jordan uh, or, or – um, Minnesota. You thinking of Murphy? Is that who you're thinking of? Yeah, Jordan Murphy. No, it's Daniel Oturo. Daniel Oturo did this okay. just a yeah, couple years yeah. ago. Uh, and, and Coburn is doing it in six fewer minutes a game, by the way. <laughs> um, so uh, Oturo averaged about 35 minutes. And in Minnesota, it was 15 and 16 that year. So didn't have a lot yeah. around him, right? Um, I'll give you another stat. Coburn is one of just six high major players since 2000 to average 21 and 11 during a whole season. The other guys, Kevin Durant, Michael Beasley, Blake Griffin, Luke Herringody, and Marvin Bagley. That's uh, four top two picks in the NBA draft and one Notre Dame legend, Luke Herringody. So pretty good company. What do you think, Mike? What's his case? I think a lot's going to come down to the title race. Yeah. right? If Illinois can find a way to win this outright, I think it's a no-brainer. Purdue wins it outright. I think it's Ivy. Wisconsin wins it outright. I think it's Johnny Davis. Um, now, if it's a three-way tie, that's where it starts getting a little bit interesting. Because I think, and this is unfortunate, I think what, what may end up happening, if, if they all share this and Kofi doesn't win it, what I think it's going to be a product of is I, I just don't think people have watched enough Illinois basketball. Um if you watch Illinois basketball, you see what he does. We talk about the gravity at, you know, all the time, right? His orbit, in a sense. And if you're not watching for that, and if you don't notice it, then all you're seeing is, yeah, he's big, he turns around, he dunks it, makes some free throws. And you're doing a disservice if you're trying to dumb down his game like that. Because the strides that he's taken as a facilitator, I'm not saying he's Nikola Jokic, but some of the passes he's made out of the post we would have really never fathomed that he would do that in his time at Illinois. And he's done it and he's improved. Um, I think that's the other thing is he didn't come into the big 10 averaging 20 and 10. If you go back and watch his freshman year, it was, it was ugly at times, you know, like he had a lot of growing pains. So I think you got to credit him to where this isn't just like, yeah, if I was seven foot 280, I'd be doing that too. Well, no, because he came in and has, has grown a ton. And the player he is now is just his decision-making, uh, his touch. Uh, he's shaved down his turnovers. His assists are higher. For him, uh, he would be my Big Ten player of the year right now just because I just, you know, I think Zach Eady and Travion Williams really do help Jaden Ivey out a lot. Uh, just, just like you can argue some of the Illinois guys help out Kofi, but – you know, Edie's a guy that is an NBA prospect. Um, Trevion Williams may, is a guy that may get a cup of coffee there too, just based off his size and skill level. Um, and Johnny Davis too, here's the thing. If it comes down to a share, 
it's probably going to be Johnny Davis. And the reason I say it is because people are going to fall in love with the preseason rankings yep. uh, of Wisconsin being 10th and winning a share of the league. And, and, I, and everybody wants to go and grasp at the storyline, and I get that. Um, but, man, if you watch these teams – and everyone has a good case. I'm yep. not saying it's Kofi and it's absolute BS if anybody else gets it. Because um, there's a legitimate – E.J. Liddell has been absolutely out of this world. The problem is that Ohio State just like, feels, like, feels like they haven't played. Yeah. Um, but when he has played, he's 40% from three. Uh, you know, his numbers are outstanding. Uh, they've, they've beaten the number one team in the country. Uh, you know, and he's a big part of that. Uh, Keegan Murray, you mentioned it. Ridiculous numbers. Ridiculous. Like, he, he is keeping that team from being a bottom feeder right now. Um, so there's something to be said about that. So – you can make a case for a lot of guys. Uh, like I said, if it's going to be a share, then it's going to get interesting. But I've seen Kofi not play, and this team look out of sorts at Maryland. I've seen Kofi sit on the bench in a 27-9 run happen at home with Maryland. It's an impact when he's not on the floor. But I don't think enough people look at it that way. And when I say that, I mean voters in a sense, where it's like they're not diving into it enough to be like, well, what's it look like when he's off the floor? It's going to be the numbers, and it's going to be – his NBA draft prospects or his, you know, Jay Nivey's going to be a top five pick. Johnny Davis may end up being a top 10 pick. And you're crazy if you think voters don't lean into that a little bit. So I think out of all three guys, Kofi probably has the biggest uphill climb. Um, Maybe. You know, just, yeah, just with everything around it. But, but I think he also has a, like as legitimate of a case as anybody. Yeah. Illinois is 14 and five against high major teams when he plays one and two against high major teams when he doesn't. Um, and, and I think you and I know, I think the one thing, another thing working against him is just kind of people expected him to be this good, right? He was the Big Ten preseason player of the year, and he's kind of doing, we were talking about could he be a 20-10 guy. He's doing it and then some, but it's kind of like ho-hum. It's kind of like you said, Illinois fans might take, uh, maybe not appreciate it as much. I'm sure a lot do, but... It's just you expect him to do that every night. When he doesn't, it's disappointing. Like, he has 17 and 13. You're like, eh, it's an okay game for Kofi Coburn. While, like, Johnny Davis, maybe expected to average, like, 13 points a game this year. Not 20. Not, not, not to be, you know, 37 points to, to win at Purdue and have Wisconsin in a Big Ten title race. And, and Johnny deserves Big Ten Player of the Year. It just so happens all these guys are competing for this award when all of them are probably going to be All-Americans. Like first yeah. and second team all American, like five of the ten All Americans should be Big Ten players. Like Keegan Murray should be a second team All American. Like Jay Nivey to me was kind of my leader after Purdue won, but then you look at his numbers, and it's like people might not think he's the winner because he's not always the most efficient. He's had some huge games, some huge fourth quarters or, or late in the second half. Um, but then Johnny Davis doing what he's doing, Keegan Murray. I, I think EJ Liddell, if Ohio State won a share, he'd he'd be right up there with all these other guys. So I think Kofi's got a strong case. If, if it were today with these three teams tied atop the Big Ten or Purdue, if they all tie atop the Big Ten, I'd probably lean Kofi, but I'm a little biased because I see it every night, right? I bet a lot of people if Wisconsin wins a share, Johnny's going to get it. And I, I can't really say, oh, no, that's wrong. But I think, I think you're right. Whether it's Brad Underwood with Coach of the Year, Kofi Coburn for Player of the Year, I think Illinois has to win at least a share of the Big Ten uh, to, to win those awards. For sure. And what you and I both know, Jeremy, is that no matter who wins it, majority of people will not, <laughs> will not be okay with it. Um, if Kofi wins it, 
a lot of Purdue, a lot of Wisconsin, probably a lot of Ohio State fans are going to be upset. It could be uh, very important know. for Kofi to be the second choice for a lot of people. Because say Johnny Davis, like, if people want to put Jaden Ivey because Purdue wins the Big Ten, some people might not even have him in the top three. Like, National yeah. College Player of the Year odds, Kofi's number one in the Big Ten at plus 400. Um, Johnny Davis is third at plus 600. These are behind Shibway. And then Murray is right behind at plus 750. So they only have Jaden Ivey on there, and that, which is crazy to me. But like, if Jaden Ivey gets some first place votes, but not the second and third place votes, maybe Kofi can win that way. Yeah, I think out of all, you know, out of all, out of all the guys, if you were going to say, "Hey, give me your top two, majority of people you would ask would probably have Kofi in the top two. I would think, uh, so. like you said, it's going to be Ivy or William or Ivy or Davis or Liddell that are going to be on the outside a little bit. Um, that's the thing. That's the consistency, right? You know, and, and it's, it's, it's going to be close. It's going to be really close. And it's, it's the game within the game right now. You have the big 10 title race. And then there's this, cause there is a chance between Ivy Davis, Coburn, Liddell and Murray that you get five all Americans. I think it's actually likely yeah. um, we'll see. Maybe they don't go as big 10 heavy, but it, it's going to be crazy to see which one, gets left off an all-american list because whoever it is they're going to get snubbed mm-hmm. um you know they just they all have been just been playing at such a high level and it's been great for the conference I, I think it's been great for you know as much as teams want to root against each other it's been fun tuning in every single night and just seeing these unbelievable players carrying their teams and like really I, five five guys in the big 10 that are this potent and, and this great for their teams it's like you have a you know you have like a 50 percent chance of turning on fs1 or Big Ten Network and seeing an All-American play yep. in the conference, which is which doesn't happen much. It, it certainly wasn't the case when I was there. We had good players, right? Mm-hmm. We had Trey Burke. We had um, a number of guys that were – Nick Stauskas. Like, there were uh, a lot of guys that were All-Americans, but, you know, not, not getting into the three, four, five territory. So, it's been great for the conference. I just got two more quick things for you, Mike. I know we're going along here, but uh, Brad Underwood stuck with his starters. We talked about changing the lineup. We thought maybe he should uh, at that time, but uh, I know you texted me right before that game and said, I think he's sticking with his guys. So what were your thoughts on, you know, sticking with those starters, getting good results out of it? And then I think you're starting to see the rotation settle in here a little bit. Yeah. When we, when we initially did the the video, I think we were both kind of like, yeah, you know, could see it for sure could see them making a change but i think the other point that i made was or do you take the easier route which is relying on older more experienced guys to play with a little more toughness and confidence and that's exactly what they did and i'm glad they did it because it was it was it was the right move um and look what happened if you get all panicky and take jacob granison out of the lineup and you don't get that performance i'm not sure you win that game in east lansing so i think it was just kind of a reaffirming hey we're all right because I think perspective's helpful too, and I think sometimes everyone gets caught up in that. You know, you lose two or three, but full body of work, your first place in the Big Ten, and let's do what quote unquote got you to the dance. Um, you know, and, and I think uh, you know these guys from the from the rotation standpoint and shaving it down. I think you are going to see it. I think you're going to see these starters, and you're going to see a rotation off the bench of Curbelo, Melendez, Hawkins, Firm that eight and then Payne and Boston's Redonk are going to be matchup dependent yep. as the ninth guy. I think that's what you see moving forward. Low post interior threat, Boston's Redonk. Run and jump, Omar Payne. 
And that's going to be the way that they work it in. I, I don't think, I don't know if you're going to see a lot of Luke Goody um, from here on out. And, and that's nothing against Luke Goody. That's just the product of having a really good team that's fighting for a top three seed in the NCAA tournament. There's going to be some guys that, that don't get playing time. Now with Curbelo, I'll take it even further. I think you're going to see Curbelo stealing a little bit of plumber's minutes. Yep. And part of that is on the defensive end. Um, we'll go through the film. Uh, you know, Curbelo is outstanding defensively. Um, I know everybody wants to say, but Tyson Walker hit some shots on him. Stick around. Stick around for the film breakdown, and you'll see that Grandison got some shots knocked down on him. DeMonte got by Tyson Walker. Yeah. DeMonte got some on him. You know, and then by the time Plummer got some on him, by the time Curbelo was guarding him, it was, you know, he already had it rolling. So, you know, there's certain things that he offers, not only from a defensive standpoint, but from a defensive rebounding standpoint. And I thought the closing lineup was telling. Very. Curbelo's in there, not Plummer. Um, I think this team shoots free throws well enough to where you're not like, we have to have Plummer in there because he's an 80 eight percent or whatever he is now free throw shooter um and i think you'll see a lot of it going forward and, and i think it makes the most sense you have to solidify this rotation a little bit heading into march so that i talk about the role identification stuff right you don't want guys guessing going into march it's here's what i am for this team here's what i do coleman hawkins has been doing that at a high level the last two games and um you'll see him playing within that moving forward so I thought it was a step in the right direction for sure. And it was absolutely the right call. And that's why Brad Underwood is a great coach. That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, before we let you go, Mike, big game against Ohio State. Ohio State plays Monday night here uh, before they, they come to town and play Illinois. So they play uh, at home against Indiana. They have a bunch of games to make up. So they got, what, six games here left during the final two weeks. One of those here at the start is going to be Illinois. And Illinois won two against Ohio State in, in March. But before that, there's been a matchup issue uh, for Illinois. Of course, they got a young backcourt now for the most part. What do you think of this matchup? Knowing the one that got away, E.J. Liddell, has been an Illini killer most of his career. What do you think of this matchup on Thursday? Well, I know it's an Ohio State team that's starving for a, a marquee win in conference. I get it. Back in December, they beat Wisconsin. But take a close look, man. Their conference wins outside of Wisconsin, Nebraska, Northwestern, Penn State, Minnesota, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota. Yep. They don't have that. You can say Wisconsin, but in January and February, they have not had a marquee win. You also throw another win in there against IUPUI, who's arguably the worst college basketball team in the country. So they haven't done it, and they're good offensively, and EJ Liddell's a big reason for that. Um, he's been out of this world efficiency-wise, uh, the matchup problems that he that he poses, but they've struggled defensively in certain areas which really shouldn't be the case. You got Jamari Wheeler, who I know has missed a little bit of time, um, you know, but that's a young backcourt, right? That's Michi Johnson trying to get his, his, his feet a little bit and Malachi Branham and um, Arns isn't the best defender by any means. Zed Key is great in terms of low post, but you, you bring him out into the perimeter, it's a different story. They have some holes uh, defensively, but you talked about it. It's the matchup, right? It's the matchup against EJ Liddell. It's what pre presented issues for this Illinois team in Champaign last year. Uh, you could tell last year they lived and died on giving Liddell that pick and pop three and hoping that he missed. 
He was seven for 14, 50% in the two games that they played. Um, and they, they, here's the thing. I mean, this is why he's a matchup problem. You kind of have to go into the drop coverage because you can't switch. You're not about to put Trent Frazier, Andre Curbelo, Alfonso Plummer onto EJ Liddell. And not only just from a throw into the post sense, but a rebounding sense. So you have to, I guess, tinker with the matchups a little bit. Uh, but I think it, it's going to end up being another game where you say, hey, we may end up living and dying a little bit on EJ Liddell picking pop threes. The help has to come from the next defender on the stunt to at least prevent him from getting an in-rhythm three. And I think that's what you saw in Columbus late last year. They were really good on that rotation. And it's not a full rotation, but it's enough to get Georgie or Kofi to get back and and not be out of position. So he was 0 for 7 in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, you know, and that's what you live with. It's the 4 for 7 or it's the 0 for 7. And he's 40% right now, so you got to at least honor it. But you're going to stick in that, in that drop coverage. You may have Kofi up a little bit like they did against Michigan State in those ball screens so that he can recover back to, to Liddell, not from under the basket. Um, but you're needing to have that, that next defender rotating um, to not do a full rotation, but at least have EJ Liddell out of his, out of his peripherals say, oh, yeah, I, I see you and I feel you there, and this is not going to be an in-rhythm three. So that's going to be the story. It always has been, especially in these past three matchups. So uh, it's the game within the game. Great stuff as always, Mike. Uh, appreciate it. We'll talk next week with one week remaining in the Big Ten race. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Great stuff as always with Mike Latulip. Check out his VIP film room we did. Uh, Michigan State, well, he did, and I just kind of watched and enjoyed it along with him. But I hope you guys watch those. Those are a lot of fun to break down those games, and I know they're probably more fun for you guys when they win. Uh, but Mike just gives us such great insight. And I definitely watched the game differently because of what Mike – the insight he gives. Um, so I hope you watch those VIP film rooms. If you're not a VIP member, you can sign up for a VIP membership for just $1 for your first month of VIP membership. Check out all the new content at IlliniInquirer.com. Joey just put up a notebook. Derek Piper with his big takeaway from Michigan State as well. So you can check all that out at IlliniInquirer.com. Later in the week, we're going to break down some bracketology with our guy Brad Evans right here on the podcast. So be looking forward for that as well. Until then, everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll chat to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.